Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday version of the two guys at a mic show. Big dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. A little bit of the show, of course, is Residue Tuesday, regular segment, if you will, here on the show where we pick up some of the residue from the sports weekend that we did not get to yesterday. Maybe we talked about it a little bit, didn't let it soak in completely. And we will bring those topics up. We will surge ahead. Look forward to uh, some of the sports action tonight. Of course, go over a classic. A classic World Series game yesterday. Rangers now up 3-2. to two. We will jump off the sports page early and often as we are wont to do. Again, the big dog and the coach at your service. Let's enjoy some of the music and we will get this soon-to-be award-winning show off and running or at least into a slow trap. Yes, indeed. It'd be good to be Mike Napoli today. Mike Napoli, the uh, star of the World Series so far, star of the playoffs. Got a couple of big hits again yesterday. Threw out a runner. Texas Rangers win a thriller over the Cardinals. Uh, four to two final score. St. Louis shut down in the ninth innings. They attempted to make a comeback. Uh, let's check in real quick with my co-host. He is checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines. I believe he's out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois. But with the big dog, you never quite no big dog how are you where's your location today my friend hello my friend uh, uh what's up everybody I'm, I'm definitely located in the in the beautiful town of aurora and beautiful. i'm going to take advantage of the beautiful weather the last couple of days of the year mm-hmm. uh oh my goodness coach mike knapp do we hit the nail on the head yesterday or what call him the star of the game yeah I was shocked because i woke up in the middle of the night and uh you know couldn't go back to sleep looked over my wife and surprisingly she did not look like mike napoli that's good. I'm not sure if it's good or bad, but I, I thought for sure I'd wake up and see, you know, a little bit of the stubble beard, the puffy face, but uh, no, no resemblance. That Napoli's got one heck of a chin, doesn't he? It's a big face. Yeah, it's a big chin. I think his head might weigh more than my 16-year-old son <laughs> if he just weighed his head. But go ahead. I interrupted your Mike Napoli thought. Oh, no, no. I'm done with Mike Napoli. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about that. If, uh, if the Rangers win in the next two days, most likely he's the uh, – He's the MVP of the World Series yes. at this point. But the story of this game, this is unbelievable. Last night, Coach, I, I, I was extremely busy. I did not, I mean, a, a Monday Night Football game and a World Series game, not exactly uh. the greatest matchup, you know, but still, watching that game, I cannot believe the Cardinals messed up like they did last night. This was one of the worst gaffes in the history of sports. People, if you don't know what happened last night, because nobody was watching, Tony LaRussa goes out to the mound to make a pitching change and when he gets to the mound, the right-hander <laughs> that is on the mound was not the right-hander that he requested. <laughs> As in a World Series coach, how could this possibly happen? That doesn't happen in Little League. It's the major leagues. And so he gets out there, Lance Lynn, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be pitching today. I wanted Jason Mott. <laughs> Didn't he see the guy walking in? That's, you know, that's the hilarious thing. And they showed the close-up on the mound. That's really what happened. He was like, I don't want you. What are you doing here? <laughs> and so, I... Uh, thank goodness it's the Cardinals, because that would happen to the Cubs in the World Series, okay? Yeah. But 
thank God is that it's Tony LaRusa and the Cardinals. Now it's hilarious. Anybody <laughs> else, I would have felt a tiny, a tiny bit of of guilt for thinking it was funny. No guilt at all. It's the Cardinals and LaRusa. I'm cracking up. So, <laughs> Ex-White Sox manager Terry Bevington, I believe he tweeted and said, what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Happens all the time, he says. Part of baseball. <laughs> now, roulette. Who knows who you're getting? Hey, well, hopefully you got something, Lance Lynn. Now, what is the uh, baseball rule, Big Doe? Let, let's, uh, let, let's get some clarification here. You are an astute uh, citizen of the rule book. Give me a paragraph 4, section 3, article 2, clause number 5. Exactly, you know, if the pitcher's halfway out there or on the mound, he hasn't thrown yet, can no, you I... bring in another guy? What is What is the exact rule? You know, the beautiful thing is, Coach, I actually know this one. I, I, I haven't had to hear it. If you are replaced, if you replace a pitcher, that pitcher goes onto the mound. Yep. Okay? That pitcher has to pitch to the next slot in the batting order, no matter what. What is the definition of if the actual stepping onto the mound at your yeah. itself? Yeah, any okay. part of the dirt at all. You are now that person has to pitch. So we could have seen Tony LaRusso look up. And as the guy's like five or six steps away, realize the wrong guy and like literally tackle the guy before he got to the mound, and then he could have made the change. You know, at, at that point, I, I wonder what it what it's like. I wonder. I see. That's a good question, Coach. I, I wonder if no, the umpire's like, no, you were a, the pitcher walked off the mound. This guy was coming in. That's the pitcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really wonder. I, I won't, I'm going to have to find that part of it out. But I do know, like, if you step on the mound, you're pitching. You have to pitch to the next spot. And just to let everybody know. You could replace a batter in the middle of an at-bat. Yes. Okay? Until there's two strikes. Okay? And you can replace a pitcher in the middle of an at-bat. Okay? But you cannot, as soon as you come into the game as a pitcher, mm-hmm. you have to pitch to that batter. The next batter, you the whole slot in the order. You know what I'm saying? So if you come up to face the third hitter in the Cardinals lineup and it's Albert Pujols, okay, what are you supposed to pitch? And then all of a sudden in the middle of that bat, Albert Pujols, they decide to pitch hit for them, you still have to uh, pitch against whoever they replace. You have to pitch that spot in the batting order. So, so Tony La Russa was, could have skirted the rules a little bit. I know Tony La Russa would never do that. And he could have told his pitcher, uh, hey, uh, throw one pitch, and you will have a hamstring injury. Could have gone no, that, that route, right? Well, well yeah, it, I, I don't know how that works. What do you mean you don't know how that works? If a guy's well, hurt, well, he can't it, pitch. It, uh, no, well, that's the rule is you have to pitch to that Joel, whole Joel, if a guy is if a guy's hurt, he could be taken out of the game. What are they gonna do? Give the batter an automatic first base because the pitcher's hurt? Well, that's what Tony Larusa did. He said you're gonna have to walk him. I'm not letting you pitch to the guy. And like supposedly Lynn was like, I can go, I can go. And he's like, No, I'm not doing this to your career. Put more on. Like the basic Tony Larusa was like, Listen, I would rather get egg on my soul. I have to appreciate this about Tony Larusa. Think about it. Lynn is out there begging the pitch. And I, I would have let him pitch. I swear to you, there's no way. I'd have been like, all right, I messed up. Maybe there, there's a reason why I messed up and Lance Lynn's supposed to be yeah. out here. There's no possible way I would say, no, okay, you want to pitch? No, I'm making you throw four uh, pitches. I would mm-hmm. be like, you know what, give me this one batter. I now, totally messed up. Save my butt. Save my butt, Lance Lynn. Go out well, there and get this guy out. See, I'm not so sure I'd agree with that. I mean, the normal course of a regular season game, absolutely. But you're talking game five of the World Series, what inning at this point? Eighth inning? Yeah, it's, it's the eighth inning. Yeah, so I, I, another, eight, you think it's okay for him to pitch in a regular season, but that's the World Series. Yeah, no, no, it's okay to go against my better judgment. All right, we made a mistake, a little communication. And, folks, if you're not 
You know, if you listen oh, to the two guys at a mic show, you're not a hardcore sports fan. How can this happen? And don't forget, Big Dog, we are the sports show that appeals to the non-sports fan. Unfortunately, we're struggling to appeal to the actual sports fan, but that's a whole different story. But basically, huh? I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. We're just finding out there's a, there's a lot of sports fans in the world. Well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm holding our marketing department highly responsible. I think uh, our message and our clientele, there's a disconnect there, Big Doug. <laughs> we, we need to do that. I'm going to be able to focus on that a little bit more after I write this haunted tour this week, which is, is, is going to be really good for us on Sunday. But that's another issue. We'll work yeah. on the marketing department. David Big Dog, uh, David Olson, our fine producer, guiding the show once again today. And many times he guides us into uncharted territory but nevertheless we follow his lead um big dog has always lived by the philosophy of never do today which you can put off till tomorrow mm-hmm. it's a cheap shot big dog i apologize but anyhow how how can this miscommunication happen well basically the manager via the telephone calls the bullpen coach and the bullpen coach uh you know here's what the manager said what pitcher he wants in and the bullpen coach then sends that pitcher in well, apparently the headphones weren't so great. The crowd noise and the bullpen manager heard the wrong pitcher's name, and he sent the other guy in. So that uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's how the miscommunication occurred. Well, but that's that's how it is. But don't forget to add the guy had to warm up first, so they called up there, "Hey, get Jason Mott up." So Jason Mott first. So they're like, "Okay, Lance Flynn, start warming up." So this guy's warming up for ten minutes before he even went into the game. Think about that. But the guy he the guy he brought in by mistake had been warming up, correct? That's that's what I'm saying. So yeah. he calls a you know get get Jason Mott warmed up, <coughs> and then all right, Lance Lynn, get warmed up, and then ten minutes later he's watching. So this had been going on for ten minutes before anybody realized that the gaffe had occurred. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like hey bring, bring Lance you know Jason Mott in and Lance Lynn's on the mound. Lance Lynn had to get up, stretch, you know. Throw the ball around a little bit, throw a bunch of tosses, and then they find out that it's the wrong pitcher. <laughs> the guy's sitting up there doing his leg kicks, doing his deep bend, and Jason Mott's picking his nose, being like, man, I wish I was in this game right now. Oh, so, good. But again, getting back to the point, I could not blame Tony La Russa at that point in that critical situation of, hey, walk the batter, I'm getting the guy I want in to pitch to this key batter. Whereas in the regular season... All right, you know, it's kind of humorous. I messed up a little bit, unless it was some critical game. You know what? I'll go with your philosophy. Maybe fate has something to do with it. Let this guy pitch. But not not in the bottom of the eighth game five World Series. Coach Tony LaRusso wasn't worried about stuff. He said that Lance Lynn had pitched too much, and he didn't want to hurt the kid's arm. That was his reason for no, not pitching. Not because he was afraid the kid couldn't get him out. Come on. That, that's, that's why I'm like, really, in the World Series? If that kid tells me he's good enough to pitch, I'm letting him go. Because... Don't forget, Jason Mott is technically their closer, and he would have still had to get five yeah. more out. So, in that sense, and it's and it's in the, the American League Park, so all ties mean that you're going to make might be Jason Mott for seven out. I would have fixed Lance Lynn. I would have been like, you know what? Maybe he's supposed to be here right now. It's, but then again, what what can you say? They do that through the wall. Yeah, and big dog, but, you're 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 more sports savvy than that. Obviously, Tony Larusa was was covering up. For the mistake and covering up for the kid, he's not really. If the guy says he can pitch, he's not that worried about his tired arm. It was more a strategical decision. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe, yeah. maybe I, I'm being way too naive, assuming that after double day he isn't going to lie and Tony Larusa. <laughs>
The guy invented the game, and now seriously, he's old. He doesn't realize how phones work, coach. Back then, when he like when he was a kid, they used to just pick it up and you know Pennsylvania six five thousand, and then they, you know you know a pitcher. <laughs> Oh, at any rate, Rangers win the game four to two. I only watched maybe uh, listened to the seventh inning and watched the eighth and the ninth inning. But apparently, listening to the announcers and some of the press coverage today, the game was uh, incredible, intense game with all kinds of weird things happening, uh, managerial decisions almost from the get go. The intensity level, and I missed a good part of that big dog. But but watching the reactions of some of the players. You know how Fox always does the close-up on the fans? Oh, yeah. And yeah. watching the fans, you could tell this was not an extra-inning game. This is, but in the ninth inning, they were, like, exhausted. People were spent. So I can't fully appreciate it, but apparently it was one of those, I don't know if you watched it start to finish, one of those games that had so many turning points and dramatic moments, uh, which, unfortunately, I would have loved to watch all nine innings. Those are the kind of games I love. But you could tell the audience, the crowd that was at the game, they were like uh, – psychologically and mentally beaten down by the end. Yeah, it was uh, – I'm going to have to watch it on MLB Network today and try to at least get an inning or two in, especially one of the late innings. Uh, I wish I could have watched it. I got to watch nothing, Coach. Zero pitch. Didn't get to watch one pitch for the game. So, disappointing. What were you doing in uh, hot pursuit of the young female you've been talking about? Were you working or at an undisclosed location? I went from work to hot pursuit, Coach. Ah, Yes. Okay. The undisclosed location did not get into the uh, evening's activities, though. Well, no, no. The, it, it was uh, the, the Chicago River, Coach. Ah. That's where I was yesterday. Well, now it's disclosed, so it wasn't an undisclosed location. But it's a very big river. <laughs> All right. I hate to see you miss a Game 5 of the World Series. You know the pursuit must be serious. Uh, in football terms, did you get a hurry? Did you get a sack? Did you miss the tackle? Uh, you know, was it an ch- unsuccessful chase? Put it in football terms, the hot pursuit post work. Um, I got a, a penalty for a leg to the hand. Okay. <laughs> I got, yeah, it was, it was, it's good coach. Cause all I have to say is that I'm definitely, now it's more like a, like I have kicked. I'm a punter. I've out kicked my coverage, but I'm still in my lane is the best way for you to put it. Okay. Just make sure when you, you know, run down, break your feet down. Short, choppy steps and make sure you contain yourself. Don't overrun the uh, kick coverage out of your excitement. Yeah, keep your butt low. Yep. Uh, run through the person. Technically, <laughs> well, was... but you got to be careful. You don't want to run through. You got to. You got to get your. Hold on, hold on, coach. No, you don't understand. There's 11 people on a kick team. You got a safety. You get nine guys that are supposed to stay in their lanes, and then you get one missile. And but that's for the nine years that I played football. That was me every single team I was ever in. That's why you're 39 years old and still in hot pursuit because you continue to play that missile position. You fire and you attack, and it looks good in the beginning, but. Boom, you go past your target, and she runs right by you, what I'm suggesting. Uh, no, 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 Coach, I didn't overrun. I didn't overrun people. Well, I, I, no, no, I, I stayed right <laughs> on your hip, Coach. Uh-uh, I was over the hip. I'm suggesting as you age here, you might want to change your philosophy from the gunner to maybe like the outside lineman who comes down a little bit more under control. The guy who runs on the hash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy in the hash. Right yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, I didn't feel it like that, Coach. And then I coughed at the same time. That was that was a bad <laughs> I love football analogies. Yeah, uh, all right, we got a day off today, right? Day off today and then back to St. Louis. So if the Rangers do win it, it's going to be in front of the opposing uh, fans. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I meant this seriously, that that game was bigger for the Rangers because of Chris Carpenter. 
was the Cardinals pitching the next two games in order to in must win situations? Who do they got in Game Six tomorrow? Coach? I believe they're bringing back Steve Carlton in Game Six, and they're going to throw Gibson in Game Seven. Oh, they look good then. Never mind. Yeah. I don't know. It might have Kyle Loesch somewhere along the way. Could be. No, uh, probably probably Jaime Garcia is Game Six. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think you're right. So, I just Jaime Garcia with all that right-handed power for the for the Rangers. The Cardinals are in trouble, Coach. Real. I don't. I know it's easy to say the team that's down 3-2 is in trouble, but the team down 3-2 going home for two games yep. is usually going to win 40% of the time. I, 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 the Cardinals are in serious trouble. Yep. because I, they, The Rangers still have great pitching to throw out on the mound for starters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Garcia, well, who knows? He can give you a good game. If that guy keeps the ball down, he'll be all right. Anybody uh, still watching baseball? You want to talk a little World Series? Apparently a classic game five last night as the Rangers win it four to two. Big dog and the coach at your service. You can dial it up at triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Again, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number and uh the play of the game, big dog, real quick before we switch to a little football talk, the play of the game clearly was in the eighth inning with a strike him out, throw him out. Uh, Mike Napoli, who's been the star of the series, we talked about him. He got the game-winning hit, but when Pujols uh, reached outside for strike three and Napoli picked up the ball and still threw out the runner, I think the runner was Alan Craig, who got a good jump. Unbelievable defensive play by Napoli. Strike him out, throw him out, involving Albert Pujols, game over at that point. Yeah, uh, the strike him out, throw him out are the best double plays in all of baseball because you don't expect them to happen. All yeah. of a sudden, we're like, hey, hey, we just got two outs. You run off the field, it's good stuff. I don't know what happened to Alan Craig, because I swear he got a great jump. He was like halfway to second base. And then all of a sudden we're watching the pitch, you know, we lose sight of him. I don't know if he tripped, he stumbled, he stopped for a beverage. But all of a sudden Napoli throws it down to second base, and they got him easily. So Alan Craig uh, ran out of gas somewhere between halfway uh, to second base. You know, Napoli is now, he's turning into Aaron Rodgers. I know totally different circumstances, but the kind of perspective of, oh, you're all right, but... You're not that good, like his whole career. His whole, mm-hmm. like Aaron Rodgers' whole career couldn't get a scholarship. Finally, mm-hmm. only one Division One school. And then they take Alex Smith and said, blah, blah, you know the whole thing. And all of a sudden, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and the Bears are going to have to deal with this guy for the next 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. Mike Napoli, his whole career, like, oh, you can't catch. Oh, you can't you, you strike out too much. And then uh, and then Mike Sosha decides you're not a good enough defensive catcher and could care less that you have a bunch of power and basically says, you can't learn how to catch. I'm done with you. And trade them, and that was the reason why the Angels and Mike Sosha of all people got rid of Mike Napoli, and now Mike Napoli went from a bad defensive catcher who couldn't make contact, and all of a sudden this year he's the best offensive catcher in baseball. Period. That you can't even argue it at all. And right now he's playing as well defensively. Well, he's and playing better. Down here, Molina is Molina is for the Cardinals. Looking so. at him physically, one thing we can definitely rule out: it's not steroids. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, at least you know one thing. Krispy Kreme didn't go out of business down in Fort Worth, <laughs> Dallas. Okay. All right, real quick, let's uh, switch off the World Series, get to a little football talk, checking in. Our, he's becoming a regular Tuesday visitor here on a residue Tuesday to the two guys at a mic show. He's breaking down. He's He has broken down some of the film from the Chicago Bear game. Big Dog, I know you spent good part of yesterday breaking down some of the film, some of the tape. It's our NFL outsider, not an insider, but he's an outsider, but he's our guy. Pigskin boy checking in on line number 19. Pigskin! I was breaking down film on the NFL Network Red Zone. It took five minutes. That's it? 
all I need. I thought that was the highlight package of the Monday night game between uh, Jacksonville and the Ravens. By the way, Jacksonville shocking the Baltimore Ravens uh, twelve to seven in a pitching duel. <laughs> the Ravens with a shockingly poor offense um, for a team that has Ray Rice and a pretty good offensive line to decide not to ever run the ball. Hmm. Not quite sure about that. That's- Big dog, there are a lot of people eliminated from their confidence pools. A lot of people. I mean, the Ravens were about as much of a lock. Coming off a great game the week before, right? Yes, yes. And yes. playing a, a absolutely moribund Jacksonville. I mean, that was like an automatic. There are a lot of people near football suicide after that upset last night. The Ravens are way too up and down, and the Ravens talk way too much instead of actually playing. I, honestly, I, the Ravens have been talking for years and always fallen short. And they lose, which like they lost to the, the, the Titans blew them out already this year. So, Pigskin Boy, that's, what you said, I didn't get to watch the game last night. And that seems to be an epidemic in, in football where coaches forget to run. They want to show how smart they are. Every once in a while, just pound it at somebody for a while, then all of a sudden, you'll look really smart by just throwing a play action pass over the middle. So. Pigskin, you, Pigskin, what, what do you think of the ball game? Well, Joe, you know why the Ravens are up and down is because Joe Flacco is up and down. He, he looks like Baron Rodgers one week and Rex Grossman the next. He is wildly inconsistent. Well, if you throw it every down like you're saying, that it, it doesn't help. So, but he's not an every, he's not a throw every down quarterback, Joel. He's he's you know he's kind of what Orton was with the Bears: win the game, hand the ball off, don't have no interceptions. He doesn't have a very big arm. And his big arm that he has, he throws a lot of picks. So I think it's directly correlated to how well he plays. NFL outsider Pigskin Boy joining us here on the Two Guys and a Mike Show. Outstanding. Outstanding. What do you think of the Bears game, Pigskin? I know you broke down some of the tape. Uh, Did it look any better yesterday than it did live on Sunday? Well, that was a Lovey Smith win. Defense, four turnovers. Running game is strong, make a pass here and there, but that was the essential Lovey Smith Bears football game, in my opinion. Those, it, thing, those things, turnover, turnover, turnovers. If that Tampa 2 doesn't get turnovers, the Bears are in trouble. You look at the Bears' wins over the last few years, the year that they led the league in Turkey plus minus radio, they were up 24 plus, and that's the year they went to the Super Bowl. If they don't turn the ball over, um, Strip it. They're going to have trouble defensively, and um, that was their recipe. And you know, some guy pointed out that Brian Urlacher actually missed an entire year, so he doesn't have as many miles on his body as you think. And um, I think he continues to play like one of the top linebackers in the game. I think he's he's uh, the best linebacker in the history of the Bears by far. Nobody, wow! He, he oh, can do. Whoa! 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 whoa, whoa. The best linebacker in the history of the Bears. Joel, George, name something that he can't do that every other linebacker can do, and every other linebacker in Bears history can't do anything that he can do. That's just wild. The Bears couldn't run. They couldn't cover anybody. Big skin, did you take your medicine this morning? I did. Dick Butkus, uh, 50, Doug Buffon, Bill George, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Fortunato. Mike Michael Singletary. Singletary. To me, Big Dog, see if you agree with me no here. Pain. To me, Brian Urlacher's making the interceptions. Brian Urlacher is still 
He is not the Brian Urlacher he was the first three or four years. I have not seen Brian Urlacher in a couple of years chase people down sideline to sideline and get after. Oh, I just, you know, you're you're exactly right, Coach. That he is not the the fly around guy that he was in 2001 when he had 700 pounds of ass in front of him and uh, he was <laughs> flying around the field. It was, and, and I know Pix would agree with that because all of us have aged 10 years at one point in our life. We're older than 10. Is that going to be the title of his book when he does retire and write it, 700 pounds and ass in front of me? Yeah, well, the Brian Urlacher story? When he talks about the 0-1 season when he should have been defensive player of the year in the NFL, yes, that is. But it, did you see the play he made on who number 87 is, a wide receiver for the Buccaneers? But it's a, it's a third and eight pass. This guy catches a screen. Urlacher comes from the other side of the field, runs this dude down, and tackles him a half yard short that's, of the first down marker. That's so the kind of plays that we haven't seen enough of that of Brian Urlacher the last three years. Well, uh, he's not 0-1, but he's still flying around the field, unlike almost any linebacker in the league right now besides Patrick Willis in the middle. Not, I'm not, not ready to go that far. I mean, I, I like him. I think he's Fine good. Line. I don't think he's the special player that he once was. But, Pigskin, you think uh, – the the word that shocked me, not only the best linebacker ever for the Chicago Bears, which is a tremendous linebacker university, if you will, but you said by far. Not by far. I just think uh, Dick Buckus would be a two-down linebacker in the NFL now. Mike Singletary would be a two- or three-down linebacker in the NFL now. Nobody, None of those guys can do all that Erlocker can do. And Erlocker can do everything that those guys did. He's not but, asked the stuff to run. He's asked to drop back in this defense. And I well, think of the NFL in 2011, which is, I think, the best the league's ever been, the best athletes, bigger, faster, stronger. I, I, I just, I, I think he's better than anybody they've had. You know, I, I've gotten into conversations with people about that last point you just made. When I hear people say, oh, they don't play today like they used to, I just want to slap somebody. Football has progressed to the point now, like legitimately, Coach, like I was an all-Chicago all-area player, all that other stuff. If you took the exact me back in 1988 and tried to put me in a high school football field, I would get run over. I, would, you know, I wouldn't know what the heck I was doing. But here's the difference, Big Skin Boy, and I agree with what you're saying. If Dick Buckus happened to be born in, on, in 1990 instead of 1945, he would be a phenomenal player. He was the fastest linebacker anybody had ever seen up to that point in the NFL. He revolutionized the game, okay? So that's totally different than what Brian Urlacher did. Brian Urlacher hasn't ever revolutionized the game. He didn't. And, deep, and offenses don't completely fear him. They, so I, I really appreciate how great you're letting us know Brian Urlacher is, but when you say he's better than Dick Buckus, that's mm-hmm. – well, one day I, someone's going to have 15,000 yards for the Bears, and it's going to be in a, a, the new era of football, and we're just going to assume that they're better than Walter Payton because they do stuff. Walter, well, no, Walter Payton couldn't do anything wrong. So that's, no, that's, that's, a, that's a bad example. Big dog, uh, Cinemax Cindy, one of our outstanding emailers and used to be a tremendous friend of yours. She hasn't uh, – she might have found somebody else. But at any rate, she's still listening to the show. Cinemax Cindy wants to know, tell Joel if he could specifically break down the 700 pounds of ass that was in front of Brian Urlacher in his early years. No, no, uh, boy, I do know you love the Ted Washington Chief trailer days. When both I'm going to track the trailer over to your house, Joel. <laughs> I, I got, we better send Cloudy out to get some food because if he gets in and there's no food, I might be the one he puts on the spigot. You go about 350 each for the two of them? Yeah, they were both 350. Okay. And uh, see, when Urlacher has that in front of him, uh, when he has good defensive tackles, Pigskin, 
then the, his ability to take on lead blockers and, and, and be like the forced monster run stuffer doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden he's, he's elite linebacker. Yeah. And, I don't, I'm not sure 700 pounds of uh, gluteus maximus in front of you still prevent you from sliding through the defense and, and chasing down people on the backfield. That's what made, to me, made him special. Sideline to sideline. Remember, you know, you could time players in their 40 yard dash or time and Murlocker was fast, not the fast. Fastest, but there was nobody faster in pursuit of the football. Closing speed, competitive speed. Urlacher would track running backs and quarterbacks down. That I think in the first three or four years is what it made to me what made him truly special. Yeah, well, well, you're, you're looking back. It's like the guy's still alive, still playing, still producing, and you're upset that he's not the, the young guy that he once was. I'm not, well, I'm so not he's ups- any younger. I understand that. I'm not upset. I'm just trying to temper it a little bit. All right, pigskin again. You. uh Analyze tape, uh, spent a lot of time by yourself in the house. Hopefully you were analyzing tape and nothing else. What else uh, came out to you in the Chicago Bear game at, at beautiful Wembley Stadium? Well, Matt Forte, I think, broke a record. You can help me with this. Uh, is the quickest to 1,000 overall yards in the NFL. Um, he has combined yards. He is already over 1,000. Um, and I think every game when they block for him, he just looks better and better. And I hope he stays healthy and gets the contract he so richly deserves. You know, they did offer him money, and he refused it, you know, play for the year, which I personally wouldn't have done. But um, yeah. So boy, you, does he richly deserve $8 million or, or, or I agree with the Bears. I think he richly deserves to be paid, but I think he richly deserves 5 or $6 million. Well, I don't, you know, he's talking about Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson money, and yeah. that ain't going to happen. Forget about it. He ain't, he ain't, he's not... No, but that's but, that's what bothers me, Pig. Is is that you got all these? So pay the man, Jerry. Come on, pay the man. Bear stuff being so cheap. Pay the well. They offered him five million dollars for three or four years. How to how much money? And he wanted eight million for six years or something like that. So they were willing to pay the man. I think Angelo in this case is taking a bad rap. I agree. I told you this weeks ago that I thought that the Bears made a good offer to him. And that he was risking his career by not playing with a new contract. I'm totally on your side, Coach. Um, he, you know, people got to get get the facts. He was offered a very nice contract. And quit t- quit saying the Bears don't play people. They do pay people. Sometimes it's poor, bad money like the Cubs, but they do pay. Mm-hmm. They're not that cheap. If you know, if they, if they pay, and they big dog for for pay. one game oh, right no now. Question. There's big no question guy. the Bears have outlaid money it's, over the last ten years. They have. They were cheap. They're not anymore. Yep. Dog, if you oh, had to win no. one game right now, not picking for the future, but you had to put an NFL team on the lineup right now, if you win the game, the young lady that you're in hot pursuit of, it's an automatic sack, and uh, it's an immediate relationship. Which, give me your one, two, three running backs in the NFL again to win one game this coming Sunday. This coming Sunday? Okay. Matt Forte? First? Who's playing better than Matt Forte right now in the game of football? And in the game of football, you have to be able to pass block and catch the ball in the backfield. Matt Forte is the best running back. When he decide, when he knows who to block, let's get that straight, by the way. Messed up a couple times this week because I had you're an all-pro player. Okay, now it is Chris Johnson off that list. He paid him way too much money. He's fat and lazy now. Yep. That's what I'm afraid of Matt Forte, so he's off that list. Adrian Peterson yep. has been playing against the Vikings offensive line. He's too, he's purple Jesus because he's bruised that bad, but I'm still going to put him number three. And right behind, I'm going to put Darren McFadden at number two. Darren McFadden wow. right now is him and Matt Forte 
what a what a one-two combination. If a team had that, you'd have Darren McFadden on first down running for 80 yard touchdowns, and on third down, Matt Forte getting screen pass going for 80 yards. I mean, that would be that right. Right now, Darren McFadden has finally reached the level that everybody thought he would when he was going to be the what the fifth pick overall in the OA draft, and it's finally happening for him, coach. I had uh, Forte one, Peterson two, Arian Foster three, but Pigskin just to all of a sudden put Matt Forte as you know a top running back in the NFL. You know he was good, he was decent for a couple of years, but never in the upper echelon. What happened this year specifically? As you watch the tape specifically, what has Matt Forte done to make him now a special running back in the NFL? Well, he looks like he's got real um, uh, fresh legs. Um, he, he seems to have fresh legs. I have a feeling that for last year and the year before, he was hurt, you know, and he plays with pain. Some guys don't play with pain. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Um, Wait, remember he had the surgery the day after the season, Pickskin? Remember the day after the season last year? Was that, that was last year? Was that last year or the year before? He when? was hurt a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say anything about it. And I also think that, and I'm not comparing him, Joel, um, if you look at uh, Marshall Falk in the glory years of the Marks offense, that's what put him in the Hall of Fame. I think this offense really fits with who Matt Forte is. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, that's a great comparison, though. And I know their style of running is, is completely different, but that's a good comparison. And I would not be that shocked if Matt Forte has a season or two with the Bears with a thousand yards rushing and receiving. And it could be this year that it happens. So that's an, that's an excellent comparison, Pigskin. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Pigskin of the limited time we have left. Any other little uh, tidbits, news and notes? Now, now again, I believe, because you called us, you were out in London, uh, somewhere near Wembley. You, they wouldn't let you in Wembley Stadium, but you were roaming around there, correct? Yeah, I was. They wouldn't let me in the stadium. I was right. um, well, security. I, I was wearing my French flag shirt, and you know, they, they just don't. It just didn't go. Yeah. Well, the problem was, um, Joey was wearing his French flag shirt and nothing else. But you know, it's morals are looser uh, over in Europe, uh, pigskin boy. They're not quite that loose just yet. But yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I was just wearing a shirt and nothing else. That might have had something to do with it. <laughs> but you enjoyed your uh, stay uh, there? Or London was good? They, tra- they treated you well, I hope. They treated me well. Got some fish and chips. Uh, the ale was excellent. Mm-hmm. A little pot ale, some fish and chips. Did you get to experience any hooliganism? Uh, saw some hooligans. Um, cheered <laughs> on the hooligans. <laughs> uh, interesting, in, in England, Joel, you don't actually have to have a football match to uh, have hooligans. Really? They just, they, oh, they'll hooliganize for anything. <laughs> I gotta tell you, know, you something. A, a, stop, a stop light that's too long, you know, it's supposed to be a three minute stop, it's a four minute stop, you'll get hooligans. Um, my they, son, by the way, for Halloween is gonna be dressing up as a hooligan. That's his Halloween outfit. Oh yeah. That's not a bad one. Yeah. What type of, what, a soccer hooligan coach or? Yeah, we're not quite sure. But, you know, we thought we'd try something different, uh, a hooligan. That's not bad. Actually, it's not good either, but, you know. Well, if he actually is acting like a hooligan as he walks the streets during uh, Halloween, then you have something to worry about. Though. I like the picture of, I think it was an adult, not a kid, dressed up as a milk carton big dog, and the sign in front of him says, I am the 2%. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you very much. You have to be a little politically astute to get that one. Someone like Pigskin Boy who's so entrenched into the sports page, not realizing the humor of that situation. But <laughs> oh, I what, got it. what did you think of the crowd at Wembley Stadium, Pigskin? They were, uh, I'm not sure if they knew what was going on, but they were certainly noisy and enthusiastic. Well, it wasn't a very good game. If you look at it, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Tampa Bay quarterback, who I like, really looked bad. He just couldn't find open receivers. You know, when they were panning the crowd, what was kind of weird was, I mean, there's a guy with a cheese hat on in a, in a Packer uniform. What the heck is he doing? Celebrating. Yeah. They were celebrating the NFL. There's nothing wrong with well, that. Yeah, there's a lot of football fans over there, and they finally get an NFL game. And if a Packer fan, I, if I was a Bears fan in London, and the Seahawks were yeah. playing uh, those Saints, I'd be at the football game. Exactly. And yeah, I would be wearing a Bears jersey. Yeah. Um, I would be wearing a Bears jersey that said Peyton on it, without the doubt, is what I'd be wearing. I believe sideline reporter Tony Siragusa, who was brutal, by the way, he was really he off his bored. game. Please, but, why does he have a job and I don't? Well, I've, I've seen him when he's been better, not great, but uh, you, you would be clearly better than him, no question about it, though. But he made the comment walking around the stadium before the game for a couple hours, he saw just about every jersey in the NFL. Yeah, he did. So say, what, did what it was, Pigskin, is London's... England's celebration to their one NFL game. They brought out all the, uh, you know, the different jerseys, just their way of showing appreciation, their love for the NFL. Uh, it went off better. Than, you know, those games go off well. Um, it looks good. Uh, the crowd is really, really into it. I mean, heck, if you take a half-filled Jacksonville Jaguar crowd in Wembley, I'll take Wembley any day. Yes, yes. Oh, Jacksonville, that crowd last night, you'll never see that again down there. Um, they only get a Monday night game a year just so they can have one sellout. That's the reason why they do it. Uh, you think they're getting, they make sure they get, otherwise they get no sellouts down there. So, pretty embarrassing for them. Hmm. Alright, my last tidbit, coach. Is oh. my, people, my people, talk to your people. My people say that in the coming six to seven months, there's going to be a referendum in Minneapolis, Minnesota on building a new stadium. Ziggy Wolf wants the public to pony up for half of it. Who? The legislator. The owner of the Vikings, Ziggy What's Wolf. What's his name? Owner of the Vikings, Ziggy Wolf. Ziggy Wolf? Ziggy Wolf. How do you become a successful businessman with the name Ziggy Wolf? Use cars. His brethren. Wow. Okay, continue. Um, this is a very bad time in America to be asking the taxpayers to fund, as they say, a millionaire stadium where millionaires play. If the Vikings do not get a new stadium, and I don't know if this is going to go through, I believe that there is a very good chance they will end up in Los Angeles. That Somebody's going to Los Angeles, and Jacksonville's trying to be the team to do it, and Minnesota's trying to be the team to do it, which is, and, and, I, and that totally makes sense with the same thing, Skin Boy, but don't, I, I think. It would be just where the NFL is. It'll be a team that you totally don't expect that actually moves is that that fills in Los Angeles. Well, I, I, I hope your people are wrong, uh, Pigskin, because uh, well, two, one, Minnesota's you know it's a great football place, great football town, great football fans that would hate to lose the franchise of the Minnesota Vikings. And two, if they do move to Los Angeles, they cannot use the nickname the Vikings. No, no, of course, because if they go, if see, Minnesota, they're the Vikings. In Los Angeles, they'd be the bike queen. <laughs> That's better. That's better. Anything but the Los Angeles Viking, almost as bad as the Utah Jazz. All right, well, skin of the pig, great stuff as always. Um, 
Make sure you take your medication, and we will check in with you. Well, it's bye week, so we probably won't talk to you this Friday, huh? Uh, it's a bye week. Maybe I'll check in next week, see what's uh, going up at, up at Hallis Hall, and uh, we'll definitely check in. Got any big plans for bye week weekend? Bye week, bye week. <laughs> no, you need to come out onto the onto the Chicago River on Sunday, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm doing a haunted tour. Okay, I need my friends out there. Okay, I got one of my friends bringing a bunch of people, and I'm contacting all my friends. All the ones that want to go out have already been, and they're oh, I have children. It's Halloween. I got parties. Whatever. You guys don't have parties. <laughs> All right. Waterriders.com. If you want to check it out, Pigskin, mention Joel's name. You'll get a half-price discount. I definitely will do. All right. Beautiful. Pigskin, thanks for checking in. Have a great week, okay? Have a great week and happy Halloween, guys. God bless Bye. you. There it is. Pigskin checking in. You can, too. And the big dog, uh, That's that almost sounds like a pickup line. You know, can you you want to come in my kayak and join the, what is it, you, what do you call it, your own personal haunted tour? Yeah, I'm I'm giving you a haunted history of the city of Chicago. We already have a Ghost and Gangsters tour, but mm-hmm. I'm right, I wrote up a whole one that's totally different. Now that I do cross over one particular stop, the East one stop, which mm-hmm. I, you have to tell on every single haunted tour in the city of Chicago because people who don't know that are just blown away by it. So other than that, but everything this, is brand new. This is your own script you put together. Well, yeah, I wrote the whole wow. thing. And, Is anybody, and, uh, if you had anybody, you got like an editor, you need me to, you know, check it out, edit it, make sure everything's proper? Um, I, I might need you to do that, Coach. Okay. okay. I might need you to do that because uh, I need some I need some hooked on phonics. And I got to be quite honest with you. I don't think you realize how important editing is to me. So me giving this to you would not happen. <laughs> okay, I can take a hint. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. If it's if it's the hooked on phonics, if it's pronunciations, well, not pronun- pronunciations important. If it's spelling and grammar, you're worried about. Absolutely, don't give it to me. If it's content and practicality and readability and pronunciations, to me, the things that really count. If that's what you want edited, send it my way. I'll be happy to take care of it. Well, since I'll be speaking, maybe I will send it to your coach. Absolutely. I'll have one of my secretaries get on that. Beautiful. And for you, oh, I've got oh, a get on that. <laughs> uh, last time you told one of your secretaries to get on something, she took it the wrong way, and you had to let her go. Is that correct? I, I definitely had to let her go, Coach. <laughs> it's all about terminology, Big Doug. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not what you say. It's how you say it. All right, 888-463-6748. Uh, the Chicago Cubs will be holding a press conference at 11 o'clock. David Olson, I appreciate you contacting the Cubs, letting them know that our show is from 10 to 11. I thought that was a nice touch by uh, – Tom Ricketts and Crane Cunney to hold off the press conference, Big Dog, until our show was over. But at 11 o'clock today, Theo Epstein will be introduced to the team that's probably nearest and dearest to your heart. Your thoughts? Uh, Major League Baseball is, is saying thank you to the Chicago Cubs for saving the World Series. Huh? Thank you for bringing the eyes back to baseball, Chicago Cubs. Normally they would wait for this to happen after the World Series, but since nobody cares about the Cardinals or the Rangers, Major League <laughs> Baseball has thanked the Cubs we're bringing the attention back to Major League Baseball during their most important time of the season. Interesting. I don't, you know, I don't know that I've ever heard the guy really talk. So I'll be curious just to see his, uh, you know, I've seen maybe I guess little miniature quips, but I really, I don't know that much about Theo Epstein. I'm a little tired of the whole Theo talk, to be honest with you. I want to give the guy an opportunity. Sounds like a sharp guy, but um, I, yeah, I can. We, I, you, you know how I feel about that. Hopefully, the people that he surrounds himself with here were as effective yeah. as the people that were around him and. In Boston. Yeah, and he is. He's bringing a lot of people with him. Jed Hoyer, his number one guy, who was the GM at San Diego, 
going to come over to the Cubs. His assistant, I think the dude's name is John McLeod or something like that. He's coming over. A couple other assistants. It's unbelievable. The amount, and you still got Crane Kenny, who is technically the president of the team. I mean, there's so much. David Olson, you're our administrative uh, director here. Is there too many chefs in the kitchen, so to speak? Well, they, they're going to shove Crane Kenny to the side. Should, well, yeah, Crane okay. to the side. Yeah, he's going to be the side. I mean, he's well, not going to be. He's not going to be involved in the day-to-day operations. But he's still. The, they're not going to shove him out. Baseball, no, 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 coach. He has zero baseball input. What Crane Kenny says, he comes down here and says. You guys have $160 million available from the Ricketts, and then he leaves the room. Okay, that's what happens. That's mm-hmm. all Frank Kenny says. Well, but what, in, in this day and age, you know how we try to avi- avoid finances and money talk, but if he's the guy directing the money, one, a lot of people would argue that <laughs> that's a pretty significant say over how successful Mr. Theo Ronald Epstein will be. That's, that's $4 million a year for Theo Epstein to make baseball decisions. Crane Kenny needs to let Theo Epstein make 100% of the and give no input. He shouldn't give zero. He, all he needs to do is say, this is what your payroll can be this year. That's all he needs to say to him. Well, what is Crane Kenny going to say to him? Oh, you know, I, I think we need a, a left-handed pinch hitter off the bench with some pop. Yes, Crane, I know that. Okay, do you think they call him Crane or Kenny? What do you think they call him in the office over there? Uh, Mr. Kenny. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be my my wild <laughs> guess. But uh, So not pushed out the door. But, David, do you think he'll be pushed? Do you think there's... The Cubs at this point are going to have too much middle management. It sounds like a lot of people. No, I no, I don't no. think so. I think I, I think Epstein is their guy. I, I think know he's that. But be, what about the eighteen other guys? That's what I'm worried about. Well, I don't think if those eighteen other guys were going to be involved, Epstein would have come over. Is what I think. But he's got his general manager, his general manager's assistant. They've already got the scouting director. They've already got uh, who did they keep on? They hired the. Uh, well, they better keep Onirius Lita. Please tell me on your Oh, yeah, they, the, Tom Ricketts, and Ricketts a pretty cool guy. He's okay. not the pushover that some people, the more I hear, or maybe the less I hear from Tom Ricketts, the more I respect him. I think he's a pretty sharp dude. But he signed the minor league director. What's his name? Or not minor league, but uh, they're, they're Latin American. Yeah. They signed him even before. He didn't care who he got as a GM. He knew this guy was good. Other teams wanted him. He said, hey, whoever we bring in, this is our guy for a our Latin American connection. We, yeah, we need a great guy in a Latin American connection because look how much talent comes out of there. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So that's a, we definitely need him. So. Imagine if, the- if you, you had brought up the name Abner Doubleday earlier in the show, Big Doug. Can you imagine if Abner Doubleday could just uh, rise out of the grave and take a sneak peek? Now here he just invented this fairly simple game, right? little so game. It turned I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to burst your bubble coast, but before we get into that, I just want to let you know that it's a myth. Abner Doubleday has no okay. idea if the game right. of baseball Who, was ever invented. Whoever the guy was. Let's uh-huh. use Abner Doubleday as a synonym for whoever the guy who actually thought up of this nice, cute game to play on a, on a yard. And we don't know who it is, by the way. Okay. That's a mystery. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, uh, there are many things I can argue with you, Big Doe. When it comes to baseball history, you are uh, clearly the man. And I mean that in all sincerity. I, I would I never partake upon that but but for them back then to take a look at what it's become now not just the nine guys playing the game but to help those nine guys playing the game you know a manager five coaches a owner a team president 
a general manager, an assistant general manager, an assistant to the assistant general manager, a scout, the scouting director, five scouts onto the scouting director, a Latin oh. American. There's like 30. Oh, no, 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 coach, coach, you forgot something. The base running instructor. Yes. <laughs> Can you, did they ever imagine <laughs> that it would, that many grown men have a full-time job trying to direct nine people to pick up a baseball and throw a baseball. Yeah, Dave. Okay, well, but, but, but is that structure any different than the other, any other team it's in the not. major leagues? It's okay. not. No, no, I'm not picking this just out of the car. I'm just looking at the irony of professional sports. Huh? Same thing in basketball. Five guys trying to put a ball in a hoop, and you got in college basketball, you know, Northwestern's got like seven men, seven guys in sport coats and ties sitting on the bench. I mean, do we really need that many adults to Coach, co- the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had 37 assistant coaches a couple of years ago. And they had 53 people on their team. They had 37 <laughs> coaches. That's no joke. That's serious. That's 37 paid professionals. Yeah. 53 players. That's, I, I like to read in the paper, like, uh, you know, Cornell University has hired, you know, Joe Blow to be the outside linebackers coach. Or, you know, Cal Schmidt has signed out at University of uh, Stanford to be the assistant tight ends coach. Assistant. How many tight ends do you have in the program? Can't one guy coach three or four of them? You need about ten coaches in a football program. You don't need thirty-seven. That's you don't need thirty-seven coaches. Uh, how about this? You you just said Adler Doubleday, which is you know, I appreciate you looking back. Think about this, Coach Tony Mack. Okay, mm-hmm. from nineteen oh one to nineteen fifty. So we're talking sixty-one years ago. So I know that's a long time ago, but it's not like Adler Doubleday, who supposedly invented it in eighteen thirty-nine. Tony Mack was the owner of the team and the general manager of the team and the manager of the team and had no coaches. Who, who was his Latin American scouting director? Uh, back then, <laughs> they didn't have one. And it, not yet, Coach. Okay, it, was just, at, it was right before they moved to Kansas City. Just, can you, can you, one guy was the owner, general manager, manager with no coaches. Okay, and now they have... <laughs> I mean, that's, that was 1950. And yeah. then 61 years later... That's kind of funny. Right, I, I but, find it funny. But I mean, we all see the irony. That, but are you like Dave? You're, you're not worried that uh, the Cubs are going to have too many, too many hats, so to speak, throwing their. Uh, opinions no, 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 no. Okay. For the first time, I don't care about the hats. I care about accountability. And we know one thing: Tom Ricketts is the owner. We don't have some shadow organization trying to pilfer as many millions that they could out of every single game without caring whether or not they won. And I don't care what anybody says. Was Whoever was running the Tribune company and making those decisions up there was cared more about profit margin than than the Cubs winning. And uh, Jim Hendry, now we have Theo. So we have Ricketts instead of the Shadow organization. Now we have Theo Epstein instead of Jim Hendry. We have somebody accountable. And I know you said there's a bunch of Jim Hendry had a bunch of people below him too. So this Epstein came in. He does. Well, he's accountable, coach. If the Cubs don't win, and I'm not talking immediately. I'm, I want the five years. See what happens with the five years under his organization. And we'll be able to say whether he's number one or we give him the finger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. And and honestly, coach, in the fifth year of him being the man, general manager of this team, they better be a foundation, a team with a foundation that can go on playoff runs for a ten-year stretch because of it, and are a legitimate World Series contender, or else he has failed to do his job. I don't want some fly-by-night, let's try to, every single year is, hey, let's try to find lightning in a bottle. I want a mm-hmm. real organization to yep. be built by this yep. man. Yep, build it from the bottom down, build up the minor league system. I know Jim Hendry, uh, you know, I hope we don't throw the Jim Hendry era completely out the window. He obviously wasn't eminently successful, but, you know, I think he was 
decent. He tried to do it the right way. It just did not work. Bottom line let's, is, though. Oh, sorry, Coach. Yeah. I was just going to say, bottom line is you, you have to build with young players in the minor league system. And I think, I think Theo Epstein and his guys are pretty dedicated to that. And just as Jim Andrew goes out the door, I, you know, he wasn't ultimately successful. And there were a couple teams with major holes in it, like that 08 team that was so awesome, but they had no left-handed hitting whatsoever on the team. How, how could you do that? And it was the whole season long. Just the stuff like that, but still, what you said, the organization as a whole is so much better off than yes. it was when Jim Hendry started. So yes. if everybody wants to bash Jim Hendry, yep. I've done it too, and it was definitely time for him to go. Yeah. But in all honesty, the Cubs organization, when he started there, there was nothing yep. talent-wise in that organization. Yeah, he, he's a professional, Jim Hendry, and I hope Theo, hate guys with one-word names, but I hope Theo Epstein, when he uh, in his press conference, he doesn't just say, well, you know, we're going to rebuild the whole thing. You know, we're going to start from scratch. I hope he gives a little bit of credit to the Jim Hendry era and say there's a little bit of foundation here and we're going to, you know, do it our way and tweak it a little bit. But I hope he doesn't use whatever term implying that things are completely a horror show right now. we got to restructure everything. I don't think that would well, be fair to Jim Hendry. Well, if if he does kind of impugn the organization, I'm like, well, you're the guy who signed here, okay? And who's going to – Theo Epstein would not have signed here if he thought he had a – basically build a foundation on a whole new home. Yep. He, uh, he thinks he's going to come in here and rearrange the furniture, give a little buff up, maybe a paint job, and then and then, the, then it should be good. That's what I'm hoping, and that's what it should be, Coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're that right. far away if you, in terms of how much talent they have down below. Right. And, again, we do want to thank uh, Tom Ricketts for holding off the press conference until our show was over. Big Doug, I thought that was, uh, you know, very uh, appreciative, kind on his part, and uh, if we could stretch our pectoral muscles a little bit, maybe a – little bit of a correlation of the influence of our particular show. He's a class act. <laughs> oh, boy, do I miss our sound effects machine sometimes, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We used to have that good old sound. There would be a lot of options I could have put in right there. Hey, real quick, before the show's over, we speeded through NFL Roundup and wrap them up yesterday. We, we already went over the Bears. Any other uh, NFL little things we didn't bring up yesterday? I know we, we didn't even mention New Orleans, you know, 63-7. to 7. Over the Indy team, Kansas City. You got to talk about them, big dog, a team that everybody said, you know, there's a matter of fact, you were one of the ones, and you weren't the only one, who said they are done. You know, they lost Eric Berry, their star. Then they lost Jamar Charles. They start off 0-3, right? Them off. They're 3-3 and now. So uh, any other NFL games out there that uh, we didn't get to yesterday? Uh, how about, uh, yeah, we didn't talk about it. DeMarco Murray, the kid out of Oklahoma who started yep. for Dallas in his first career start, and he breaks the Dallas Cowboy Dallas Cowboy people all time single game record for rushing yards, which Tony Dorsett and Emmett Smith were there. They were good, coach. So what a what a first day sensation for uh, Demarco Murray. That was one heck of a. And he was filling in for an injured Felix Jones, correct? Yes, yes. And the guy had more carries in that game than he had combined all season, and he averaged over <laughs> ten yards a carry. His first touchdown, the longest first. Touchdown in the history of the NFL, the 91 yards, and he left everybody. How, did, how does it, you know, he was incredible at Oklahoma. Now that I think about it, I didn't even realize that he was in the draft last year. How did, I just can't believe that I, we missed this guy because he's a, he was a superstar in college, Coach. 253 yards in his first official start for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, boy, that, that could be, he and Felix Jones could be a nice little 
one-two combo right there. What what the heck has happened to Indianapolis, Big Doe? We have a lot of listeners uh, across the border here. Indianapolis Colts fans so good for so long, sixty-three to seven. Coach, honest, honestly, I I have said it a million times how great Peyton Manning is. Maybe I think people are going to start believing me right now because that guy hit so many uh, so many the things that were wrong with the Colts. Peyton Manning could hide them for you. Because basically their defense is bad, so he would make sure there was only like five possessions a half, and he, you know what I mean. And the Colts always had the ball at the end of the half because he would sit there and watch the clock tick down. You know, I mean, so he protected the defense. And then offensively, are you kidding me? You couldn't play the the run whatsoever because if you did, he would just tear you apart. And next year when they come back, the Colts are going. When he comes back next year, if he's 100 percent healthy, they'll win at least 11 games. And, and they're going to win one or two this season, hopefully win one or two. I don't want By them the way, to get to four. David Olson, the quarterback that I said was over the hill and done, threw for 325 yards yesterday, five touchdowns, 31 out of 35. I think I might retract my statement that Drew Brees is on the tail end of his career. We're going to see a big drop-off this year, Big Dumb. Well, hold on, hold on. you didn't say that with me on the air. No, but I said it. Yeah, you said it during our the NFL preview. It was yeah. me, you, and uh, Mike yep. Morrell. Yeah, that, that, that was not I one of my you, better moments. I wish you would have said that to me. Because <laughs> I, I would have called you out on that one. That is That don't, that don't make no sense, Coach. <laughs> that guy can flat out play the uh, game. Uh, Big Dog, remember now, tomorrow's show, I got to. Uh, I will be on, but the, the last 15, 20 minutes of the show might be all you, so be prepared with some uh, interesting stories, titillating tidbits. Thursday, I will be off, but... Uh, We'll see if the big dog can run the show and stay out of trouble today, okay? Great job, as always. Yeah, I don't know what you call your segment, but I, I'm going to call mine, Hear Ye, Hear Ye, These Stories Are Scary. That works. Okay. That works. And just remember my uh, Confucius thought for the day, big dog. Want Live one day at a time and scratch where it itches. I got an itch, coach. And I'm glad we're not uh, doing a live webcast today. All right. Thank you, big dog. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow at ten o'clock. Talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic signing off. Have a great day, everybody.